into Gate. This is episode 167. We are talking Stargate Atlantis. My name is Mitch. Joining me, Matty Gibson. Well, hello. And that's it this week. It's back to a, uh, a two-man job, this one. Uh, look, the last time we did that, Matty, I think actually the only time we've ever done that was... Uh, Grace? Yeah. Uh, is that what it's called? Grace? That's the only name of the episode, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that was because Brennan, for the longest time, said that episode's a piece of shit. I'm not coming in. <laughs> and he was joking, of course. But then come the weekend of us actually doing it, he's like, I actually can't make it in. And Reese couldn't either, even though he's our first time watcher. He didn't know that it was bad, but neither of them could come in. And they said, look, just push on. I think we'd been a week or two without an episode. They said, just get it out. And that's basically what's happened this week as well. Um, strangely enough, in all this time of isolation and working from home and quarantine and all this other shit you'd think we'd have a lot more free time but somehow all of us whatever work we're doing we seem to be either as busy as we were or busier even though we can record at our freaking houses we don't even have to come in and like cuddle right. each other and record in the same studio from different points of the city like it, it should be easy maddie it should be but you know just as life finds a way life gets in the way <laughs> Oh, put that on a goddamn shirt. What do you have what do you have to say to that, John Lennon? Jesus. Um all right, well we are back in the Pegasus Galaxy talking about the episode Underground, episode seven of season one. Or is it episode eight? I get confused because I often put the first two episodes as one pilot. I think it's eight. I or it's seven. It doesn't yeah, really matter. Either or. I've got eight. I've got eight. But I've got yeah, okay. I've, got, I've got rising as one and two. Okay, well, I promise you I'll have it correct for the next Atlantis episode. <laughs> Maybe. Well, if you are joining us for the first time, yes, we are half the team that is usually here. But uh, as we do each and every week, if you are listening for the first time, is go to the synopsis on, well, at least the way that we've all got it at home, and most of us are watching it, on our DVDs. Go to the synopsis, see what the episode's about, and then we'll uh, just have a chat and see what we thought. When Atlantis's rations begin to dwindle, Dr. Weir concentrates on trading with other worlds for food. Shepard McKay, Ford and Taylor undertake a trading mission with the Janai, a simple farming people. But beneath their crops, the Janai hide both a secret defense system and their desire for war. Will this new ally help Atlantis fight the Wraith or awaken more trouble than either of them can handle? So, Mitchell, did it hold up though? Um, yeah, well, I am the first time watcher now that we are into Atlantis. It's been Reese for SG-1, seven seasons worth. Now that we're in uh, season eight of SG-1 and season one of SGA, this is uh, my first run through. And um, I liked it. I'm finding that I'm, even the ones that I think you guys have said, oh, this is a pretty dodgy episode. Maybe it's just the, the beauty of being a first time watcher. I'm actually liking them all. So I don't know how you sit with this one, but I, uh, no, I liked it too. And like I've said, I think the last couple of episodes of SGA, it's it's similar ground to what we're covering in SG1 or at least have over the last seven, eight years or whatever. Uh, but with a slight little, you know, uh, twang on it for, uh, for SGA purposes. And this, you know, very, very similar, I guess, because we've got, you know, uh, human aliens we're dealing with a human problem it's technology outside forces that are threatening them it's very similar to any number of SG-1 episodes where they might go somewhere and they are aware of the Gould and they're trying to you know put together something a weapon or a defense that will keep them free of the Gould except just cross that out right Wraith in the script and there you go um, but I still I don't know I, I, I still liked it I liked it the fact that it was this massive charade um, that the, uh, the, the, the the Jenny the Jenai Jenai 
when they first said it, I'm like, have you just called yourselves the Jedi? Uh, no, the, <laughs> the, the, the Jedi, no, you know. They were the G. They were the G. They were G. Then there's no copyright two infringement. Eyes. Two That's eyes right. Well. Yeah, mm. Disney can't touch them. Disney can't touch them now. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you go there and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're pilgrims, you know, they're the Amish or whatever. They're sitting there, they're regular farming folk. And then old mate, who you knew was a bit of a dick from the start, the father um, of the father-daughter duo that we meet on the other side of the mm. gate. And he just whips out like his little Power Rangers communicator sort of gauntlet and was like, they're coming, I'm bringing them now. And I'm just like, oh shit, that doesn't look like 1800s farming technology. Yeah. But then Had maybe... Hey, ruffles out of the way, those damn shirt ruffles. Yeah. <laughs> they'll get you mate so like yeah i'm like okay there's a there's a secret and then we get to obviously mccain shepherd that find this underground city and it's like oh shit who who's in on it who's not in on it maybe no one is in on it you know except for a handful of people maybe this is old technology no 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 no. everyone's in on it and it's just a big ruse to outside people so i liked that and uh you know why they were doing it it wasn't just they were bad guys um they were doing it for the right reasons and you know for at least a little bit of time we got to work um together with them so yeah before we get too much uh, further into exactly what happened i uh yeah i like this episode no that's good i enjoy it too it's um i think overall the janai they're a little bit lackluster in terms Mm. of the overall arc that we get and i think we'll talk about it in later episodes but it also comes a lot from a lot of these original actors just aren't available like when they need them when they want to tell a janai story the actor they want's not available so they have to sub in a different actor and it, it, it does dilute it a little bit but i think the overall Janai storyline is quite interesting. I feel like in this episode they're set up almost to be like Atlantis's version of the Tokra. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. these could be some really cool allies and we're working with them, but then right at the end they just full on double cross us. And I mm. think my favourite part is that we double cross their double cross. Like, that's my favourite part. That's it very does, cool. It doesn't make Atlantis look like a bunch of idiots. Yeah. We kind of win in the end. And, you know, we, we knew what was happening all along. Like, well, not all along, but we planned for that, for that yep. ine- inevitable, you know, um, was it, damn you and your inevitable double cross. <laughs> oh, you, that's a serenity thing. You probably wouldn't get that one. Uh, well, no, I don't. I, feel, I mean, even Firefly, mm. I would, you know, I, yeah, I might Alan, get the reference. Yeah. Alan Tudyk, when he's got the two little, like, rubber dinosaurs, like, oh, damn, your inevitable betrayal. Oh, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Well, I, you're right. It, it didn't make us as a unit look like an idiot, but also, more importantly, I guess, for Shepard, because he was really trying to push this in his multiple. It wasn't even just a one conversation that he had with Weir, where in SG-1, we might have seen O'Neill or Jackson go back to talk to Hammond and have literally one conversation a third of the way through the episode. Like, I don't agree with it, but if that's what you want to do, push on. Like, these were a couple of conversations that Shepard had with Weir and kept pushing the boundaries. You know, he kept wanting to do things no trust me i know it's not a doesn't sound like a great idea but i think this will work out and we just kept saying no 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 uh, okay maybe and then at the end where it's like no 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 it didn't work out and not that Weir was right because she wasn't right about exactly what happened but Shepard was wrong no he's been planning contingencies even for his own plan in case he was wrong you know he wasn't too proud to not prepare for failure uh with regard to a uh, a betrayal so now I, that was a really cool scene and because I felt like I'd been watching this episode for for so long I, I I just said I was watching on my phone and I touched the screen and I saw it had like three minutes left and I'm like a minute of that is credits and we've just gotten back to the planet after a seemingly successful mission 
how is this going to wrap up? And then the, their betrayal, you know, they're like, all their weapons come up and we want to interrogate you to find out what happened to our guy. And I'm like, okay, we're riding in about a minute and a half left of actual story here. How is this going to wrap up? Like, it's not a part one, part two. And I don't see them just going, oh, no, let us go. Okay. And then bang, you've got the jumpers in their cloaks. I'm like, oh, shit, that's so cool. And I trusted yeah. that was, if Brennan was here, this would be a 10 hards moment because <laughs> even I fell for that as a, as a new viewer when, I forget his uh, what, what the guy's name was, but Cole Meany's, uh, the, uh, the actor, his character said in the oh, ship. Oh, yeah. Um, seemingly the boss. A, he's Colm for me. He's O'Brien. Yeah. He's, yeah. I, yeah. I see. I, I know Cowan. him mainly. Cowan. 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 Right. And, uh, and he says, how many of these ships do you have? And Shepard's like, oh, just the one. And he looked at him like, hang on, we've trusted you because you told us you've got this amazing technology. Technology you wouldn't believe when he was talking about the ship. And then he goes, we've only got one. And me as the first time viewer, having not watched all the other episodes for, you know, two weeks at a time, you know, going back fortnights and fortnights thinking, that's right, we have got two, but the other one doesn't work. Oh, shit. So one, the end of the episode, so come the end of the episode, they've got another one there that is working and they've got a third one. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know we had that. Where did that come from? And awesome. So um, there, that was yeah, a... Was a if you go back to Rising, and it's a, it's a very quick thing, you got to really look when they find the garage. Yeah, you see, there's like twenty of them. Oh, there's like a whole, shit. there's like a whole garage. They're stacked up like a like a like a Tokyo car park. They're all just like stacked up on top of each other. Which would make sense for an ancient city, yeah. Yeah, when well, you know holds potentially thousands of people. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the the best part about it is, I guess, because the only time I've dealt with sort of cloaks in the past is my beloved Star Trek and. And that's always in space, so you don't think about whether a cloak is going to hide sound or not. So mm. the fact that these cloak, like it, it hangs on the fact that the cloak actually hides the sound of the jumpers as well, like the engine sound as well. Yep. It contains that, and that allowed them to sort of um, get away with this awesome double cross. Yeah, but and to think how also... long they had been there as well. Like they obviously came through the gate when the first jumper came through and did its big reveal, like check out our ship. That whole time, which is like at least half of the episode, they've just been hovering there just like, let's just wait and see whether these sons of bitches are going to betray us. So I yeah. like that much. Not so Obviously, that forward thinking had to have happened. Otherwise, when else would they have come through? But the idea that as a viewer, these things have been there for how long? That's cool. Mm. But it does also then harken back, and I wish Brennan was here for it, the conversation we had, I think, in the pilot and maybe the episode after about why jumpers don't just fly through the gate cloaked. They always decloak right before ah, they go right, through. Right, we right. had that big conversation. And then I forget who it was, but uh, one of the listeners actually sort of wrote in uh, and was chatting with Brennan a bit about saying the reason we can't cloak going through the gate, their their theory was because it like it, it goes into like autopilot when it gets close mm. and Atlantis takes over and radio signals can't penetrate the cloak, which this episode disproves because... You know, yep. um, John uses just our normal radios to be like jumper two and three execute, mm. um, and they decloak. So we know radio signals do do penetrate, and we see it many many times later of radio signals penetrating the cloak. But obviously, yeah, either either you're right in that those other two ships came through while we were um, like with us the first time, or it's like or while we were on our mission to the to the hive ship, yep. they've dialed in and come through. 
at another point. At which point you think anyone like back on the Janai planet would know. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would know that ships have come through. So and this does seem to be the only instance where logically you would think, yeah, that the jumpers came through cloaked mm. but we don't see it. It's all off screen. Yeah, so they do get to so, hide that because even the one that we are expecting that they do get to see, they need that reveal of, oh, here it is, it's been cloaked and now it's going to land. And so it's like, oh, we're too focused on that and the idea that it, it might have been hidden that whole time, but no, it's like there's two other ones. So yeah, I, mm. I, I like the way that that was, all, that was all crafted. That was very cool. Yeah, very, very good. And McKay had so many great moments in this episode too. So many little just snarky one-liners to all the Janai. Yeah. <laughs> So he's one of those guys and you know we we have a laugh at you for doing Star Trek stuff and you can have a laugh at us so you know taking it down like a sporting route but it does remind me of it's now like McKay he's on my team and he is a player that you love to hate or he's a character that you love to hate but when he was on a different you're like man if he was on a different team I would hate him so much but you know what he's my captain and I love him so the idea that yeah if (laughs) when he was that kind of not antagonist but he was the other guy that was you know he was annoying to Carter and he was he was a little dickish side character that had come along in a couple of episodes of SG-1 it's like you hated him but you also hated to love him you loved to hate him whatever this now, it's like, well, you kind of hear, like I said a few episodes ago when you guys asked me what I think of him, we're kind of stuck with him. So it's like, love him or just get prepared to kind of hate Atlantis for a long time. And I do like him. I like that the snarkiness, while it is directed to the SGA team a lot too, it's going to be more directed to whatever alien planet, especially with regard to these guys who said, you know, we're technologically advanced. We've had some setbacks and look at where how far we are. Look, this is, this is actually, this is the peak. You probably don't even understand it. And then McKay comes out as like, oh no, this is wrong. You're all going to die and I can fix this in like an afternoon. Like, I do really enjoy smart people or smart characters being smart and showing it off, you know, whether yeah. you get... and not being apologetic about it. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Just just he's saying a, it how it is. He's an equal opportunity insulter. Like, he's going to yeah. insult anyone who doesn't <laughs> think he's on his level. Like, the start where he's just eating all the food and drinking all the coffee. He's like, I've had to drink like 11 cups a day just to get my fair share. And Ford being like, yeah, that sounds fair. He's like, I know, right? Like, he doesn't even understand because he's so <laughs> he's so self-important. And yet, then he goes on the other planet. And he's like, you're all dicks and you're all idiots as well. But yeah, I mean, like, the- I, I built this like in primary school. Yeah. I built this in like seventh it's grade. sixth grade and I didn't even win the science fair. But they did question me because they thought that I was part of some like rogue you know like sleeper agent from russia or some shit like i love that that was such a like a funny moment it's ridiculous it's ludicrous but very funny because it makes sense for the character yeah and here's here's a fun bit of trivia i found out is so this episode was actually the first episode written after the pilot oh wow because so, uh, this was written by peter deloise and he turned it in before the pilot was even shot like they had obviously had to turn in a bunch of episodes before yeah. the pilot was even shot so he turned this in before McKay was even a character on the show because McKay wasn't always going to be on Atlantis. It was very last minute they decided to right. turn one of the core four into into McKay. So they had to do a lot of heavy rewrites on this episode. Uh, and a lot of those fun, snarky comments were actually supposed to be for Shepard because Shepard is, you know, is the stand-in mm. for, for O'Neill at this point in the show. Mm. So it was Peter DeLuise who was like, all right, I'm going to give a bunch of these snarky, fun, you know, comments to McKay so it kind of blew my mind to think that yeah this was written before the pilot was even shot yeah that's cool because it does otherwise fit and it fits McKay like 
Yeah, you don't tell me that you. Yeah, it's seamless. So that's really interesting, and that that's interesting too. That it's obviously Peter Delweese. I did notice that I was watching the credits, and obviously having not seen his name pop up like that yet, so I knew to sort of you know listen out for a few other things and watch out for a few other things that might be Delweeseisms or you know whatever they may be because. Um, not that we've been missing him so much throughout the, the the series so far, but it's nice that such a steady hand on the SG one ship, uh, you know, finally sort of you know lends his hand to scripting. But yeah, wow, especially yeah, considering I, it was written so early. And I feel like it's almost because up until this point, McKay hasn't been that snarky. Like he yeah. hasn't been, he's been he's been pretty true to what he's we been know McKay enough. Before, yeah. But I feel like this really amps it up, and I mean McKay only gets more and more McKayish. Yeah going forward so i feel like this is a really important episode for him in the way he's written i can't help but think and you know it's 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 almost a redundant question because uh he is not here and you are and you're so positive on weir but whenever i do hear like a not an argument but there is that conversation uh, of differing in opinion so it's a debate slash argument i guess between in this case weir and shepherd i'm like always ah oh, does brennan like this weir or does he does he not agree <laughs> with us still and then what do you think about it but there were those constant conversations between yeah shepherd and weir throughout this where he wanted to you know offer them i was surprised actually how early he's like yeah let's just give him a heap of shit at c4 what are you why wouldn't you do that and she's like Maybe from now on I do the negotiating. Like, why would you give explosions <laughs> to to farmers? That was even before they knew what they were, really. Like, as if they were untrained enough and and untechnologically advanced uh, that you couldn't just you know. Here, here's a bunch of bombs. You go and blow up some trees. We're going to take all your stuff. But I, I like the conversations that that Weir and Shepard have at this point because I like that I, while we are only seven weeks in, that they they still don't fully trust each other's judgment in a way and that they're still working each other out like while they you know obviously he was sort of a, not a last minute addition to the team but obviously we was part of the planning process pre-season one you know in between season seven and eight of, uh, of sg1 uh about the atlantis mission and then you know sort of shepherd comes along it's like oh well you know you're part of it too if you want to be and then they've all just been thrust go travel see what happens bang they awaken the wraith and all of a sudden they've just got to be you know three months ahead of where they are as far far as you know getting shit sorted and they're having to constantly keep up with each other and 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 catch up with what the other might be thinking and and i don't know i, I like that dynamic whereas i know that hammond and and o'neill again to compare o'neill and shepherd hammond and o'neill hadn't worked together pre-season one of sg1 but i think because they were such veteran military men they came to have a really good understanding of, well, we're both loyal, we both want the right things, and we both trust each other very early on. You know, I, uh, Hammond had to sort of really press his case for what maybe the government wanted or had that authority type figure opinion uh, a lot of the time, but they still did trust each other 100%. Whereas Weir doesn't have that military background. You know, she is a civilian for all intents and purposes. You know, Shepard, while he's definitely underneath her as far as the hierarchy of Atlantis goes, he still tries to hold it over like, hang on, you're not a military woman. I'm going to I'm gonna obviously have the better idea here. And no, trust me, you're not off world. I can do all this. So I like that they don't just go, okay, we're seven weeks in, have them just you know, trust each other like Hammond and O'Deal did. You know, they're still adding that little Atlantis 
change to yeah. it that these guys know. They will argue all the time. And Weir might come out right. Shepard might be right. You know, in this, Weir was right, but Shepard came out on top as well because he was planning for his own failure. So I, I like that. I like that, yeah, the, yeah. the, the team is still is a, a mix and that and the not everyone trusts each other yet. It is an interesting and different dynamic in that if you think about this episode taking place on SG-1, it's like Jack and Daniel would be the ones to have that disagreement like yeah. back and forward of idea mid-mission and yeah then Hammond would be the mediator to come in and, and Hammond would be the one to say okay well I've listened to both sides and I've decided this mm. but the issue with Atlantis is Weir is the Daniel but she's also the Hammond so yeah. how do you have how do you make her feel impartial by listening to her side and his side and still make a right rational decision so I feel like I understand why Brendan and a few other people aren't huge fans of Weir, but the what I like, what you were saying about their dynamic is I feel like, you know, John is like, let's just do it, let's do it. And Weir is like, no, 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 let's sit back and talk and think about it. And as the seasons progress, it's like he has an effect on her to make her a little more impulsive and make decisions quicker without sitting around talking about it. But in the flip side, she also reins him back a little and makes him think about things a little bit more. So they, they do, they're like a, a very much a yin-yang. What bought it for me in this episode was as much as Weir was like putting the brake on, putting the brake on, putting the brake on, the line where she goes, you do realise I sent you out for food, right? <laughs> like, that he went out to go grocery shopping and now they're like, oh, we're giving him C4 for nuclear weapons. She's like... Let me process that, please. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, that was enough. That was enough. Because, yeah, because she hasn't... At that point, she hadn't met the Jedi. She doesn't yeah. know anything about them. Mm. And the one thing I thought that was weird that neither she... I thought she would be the one to bring it up, or perhaps even Shepard, is well, wouldn't their C4 supply be finite? Like, yeah, uh, the, yeah, I don't I, know. How do you... Like, they can't just make more C4, can they? Like, No, like, I wouldn't think so. I mean, you know, they could probably... Not write when they're a, struggling to find food. Yeah. I'm sure they could find some way of writing around it like, oh, you wouldn't believe the different components the ancients have left lying around. <laughs> and you know what? I think we, geez, I mean, we might be able to make C4 out of this. But you're right. Like, they've got limited resources as far as that sort of stuff goes. You know, they're not going to go out there and just waste ammunition on target practice or anything. So why would you go and give seemingly whatever amounts of C4 the Jedi want? just so that you get from them, you know, your, your food and the crops and stuff. Like, I thought within the first five minutes, all of the conditions that the Jedi were sort of laying out, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be really hard. Oh, it's going to take too much time. Oh, it's going to do this. Oh, what are we going to get back? I'm like, oh, okay, just pack up and leave. Just say, yep, sorry. We'll, we'll deal with our own <laughs> crops. You know, give us a couple of seeds. We'll take them back and plant them on our mainland and, you know, make our... You know, our other guys that are now living out on 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 land, you know, make them actually do something worthwhile, uh, you know, for our protection essentially. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that was really strange that there there isn't time enough to even have that ten second conversation. Hang on, should we be parting ways with so many of our C uh, four stocks and supplies? You know, yeah, it was given just that a, the whole point is you know the wraith are coming. That's yeah, the whole through line is, and we need to be able to defend ourselves. Yeah. So it's like they take this detour to be like, oh, okay, we need to feed ourselves as well. So yeah, okay, we're going to have food, but if we have to give up all of our C4 to eat, what are we going to use to protect ourselves when the wraith show up? Mm. So yeah, I found that I found that quite interesting. Yeah. That um yeah, that no one sort of really brought it up. They did also glaze over the fact that like the Janai obviously didn't know 
what C4 was. They're like, what is this C4 you speak of? But they didn't bat an eye when we talked about atomic bombs yeah. and uranium. Yeah. They just knew straight away. Like, Yeah, I always find that strange when they again we're all speaking english we can you know we can excuse a few things and just overlook it we've only got 42 minutes worth of tv time to sort of get past this but yeah when they did refer to it as as the atom bomb and the atomic bomb and then especially when he goes oh how are your levels of uranium they're like oh yeah pretty pretty well stocked or whatever and i'm like uh again why couldn't you have one of them go uranium like oh sorry um that's your word for blah Again, just yeah. just if you do that, maybe you don't have to have uh, the conversation about the atom bomb. You know, if you if you do one, you don't have to do ten others or something like that. So, again, it's not it's not a big deal. It's just very strange when it's weird enough in our own galaxy when we all speak the same language and we all share the same terms for certain items and and, and elements and all things like that. Whereas we go to a different galaxy and it's yep much the same you know uranium yeah we know what that is the atom bomb and i'm like okay uranium is one thing you could you could you could believe that maybe the ancients had delivered it maybe even brought it to earth or some bullshit it's an element people know that as a as, a, as an element itself but oh geez I don't, I don't know about yeah atom bomb i'm like that's kind of like that's not even its real name that's a nickname given to it on earth but yeah whatever move on yeah Story-wise, that's one thing. Uh, just as a casting thing, I don't know whether I should be bothered, but I kind of was. Like, when we get to the other side of the gate and we meet the father and daughter to the very end when the, the dad sort of gets, you know, killed off by a wraith and the daughter's angry, I'm like, you guys don't look like father and son. At best, you are brother and sister. <laughs> what is the age gap between these two? Like, she yeah. seemed quite mature. She was making decisions. Not to say that on that planet, when they're taught such things in a secret, they have to keep to the grave. Um, you know they couldn't be taught these things from like two years old so by the time she's 14 you know they could try and pass this actress off as 14 and say yep you know she's as good as she is because she has to be um but i'm looking at her going shit she's like at least mid-20s and this guy doesn't look like he's any older than 36 37 um i don't know it just bothered me every time we saw them in the same shot together i'm like why the hell are they playing father and son? Yeah. Why couldn't it be just as much of an interesting um, uh, relationship if they were brother and sister? It would make it so much more believable from an actor's point of view. But okay, I feel like they needed. They've got two redheaded female actresses that needed to flip. Remember that? Remember the chick <laughs> from Icon a few weeks back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we that was like supposed to be married to that guy, and we're like mm, more like a little sister. Yep. Just swap the, swap those actresses. Yeah, that'll do. You know, take the chick from this episode, make her the wife of old mate and Icon. And then get the chick from Icon, bring her in here, and she's the daughter of that guy. Mm. I believe that any day of the week. Absolutely. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I was surprised at how quick. Obviously, you know, we they like we've been saying they gave them well they were going to give them C four and all these other things that they were going to help them with and help you know fast forward their their atomic bomb program. But then it was like, oh, sweet, we've done that. We've done the uh, the research. We've fixed all your technology. Um, let's stick it on your ship. And can we go and attack a wraith ship? Yeah, let's do it now. Bang. Like all this in one episode, it was just there was so much packed in and so much mm. progression for the characters and and their relationship between themselves and the Janai that I'm like, wow, like I don't know how much time the episode is is supposed to span. It's kind of irrelevant at this point because even if it was like two months or something as opposed to a couple of days, it still feels like they were they were moving at such a frenetic 
uh, pace. Yeah, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't even do it in, in a montage. They didn't even do a no. like, time-passing montage. It was no, just like, and let's go, go, go. That could have been fun too. You know, you could have had Shepard, you know, <laughs> creating mischief and, and then, you know, uh, McKay, you know, getting all their stuff and just throwing it out because it's useless because he can create better shit. I don't know, but it, you're right. It seemed like it was a really quick process and then they're off on this mission, which again, they had to be because they... <laughs> I loved that moment. Like, I've got it written down as a 21-minute mark, so it's like right in the middle when, you know, the the Janai are sitting there saying, look, we're building all this because, you know, we're, we're thinking in a few years' time we might even have a uh, have a working prototype for this weapon and that'll still give us a couple of years to <laughs> test and try out and perfect. And then a couple of years later when the Wraith finally awake, well, they won't because they'll be dead. <laughs> Ah, foolproof. And then the entire time, it seemed to drag on an awkward amount where the uh, SGA team were just like, oh, do we kind of tell them that we've woken these pricks up? Or no, 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 let them keep talking. And then I think at one stage, didn't someone go to say something like, hang on, no, 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 let them let them go and it's like no they need to be told the truth like we need to trust each other like i actually think that it was um taylor that said that she's like no no, come on we've got to we've got to be proper about this so i'm like yeah you're halfway through the episode you can't lie to them then find out in eight minutes and then try and squeeze in the rest of the story so uh yeah that was awkward but i I was i was it was kind of fun too to watch them go off on this kind of crazy mission and in some ways like it reminded me of the, the end of independence day just that little tiny ship going to this giant mothership and they've got a payload on board and they're going to try and do something they're not sure whether it will work or not and if they get caught they're up ship creek but if they don't more and more aliens are going to come to mess them up because you know you had our team like they did in uh in id4 that they were just going off in this you know it was a very last minute thing because they needed to and um at the same time like obviously some story progression there because just before that they're like we've worked out there's like 60 wraith ships you know hive ships like it was We've never had a number given to us before, but you kind of get the idea that it's a lot, but not too many. Kind of like the Gould motherships where there's like, eh, there's like eight to 15 floating around, depending on who's at war and who's taken over. For what story exactly. Yeah. Whatever looks going to look good in a CGI shot where they're all fighting each other. But then you get this, it's like there is 60 wraith ship and they all seem to be like they're in a hive they're in a unit they all want the one thing by the same people that you know it's Mm. it's it's happening so to piss off these guys is ultimately scarier and i know that brendan the other week he actually said that he's like the wraith uh he say his favorite bad guys or one of his favorite like sci-fi villains i think so yeah yeah which it would kind of blew me away just because i hadn't i guess asked him before but when you hear something like this like they are a unified race unlike the Gould, who are my favorite obviously so far i've only seen seven episodes of non-sg1 um stargate material excluding origins of course um whereas uh the Gould, <laughs> well, that's that's the true that's the true villain of stargate <laughs> you're right sorry sorry his origins <laughs> It's so meta. Half the you know, eight episodes of the show itself is actually the worst villain of the franchise. <laughs> but the Gould are my favorite. And then in the Wraith, though, I mean they're cool. I don't not like them, but they are a unified villain. And if uh, you know if they were going to come and attack the Earth or, or attack you know um, uh, Atlantis in the same way the Gould have done or at least tried to do in SG One. Um, I feel like they do a lot more damage and 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 irreparable sort of damage than what um than what the Gould ever would. So I like that we learnt that about them, and I'm still not entirely sure of what we accomplished 
um, at the end there uh, with the mission? We obviously didn't go to blow up the mothership. Was it just about finding that information out about the 60 and where they may be and how many are awake or whatever? But Yeah, uh, well, and we also we, we got the little, um, like, their little portable USB. Like, we got that little Wraith yeah. USB thing that's going to have a lot of information on it that I don't think we've sort of decoded and stuff yet. But that's going to give us a lot of information about sort of potentially how to fight the Wraith. Yeah, right, okay. But actually, speaking of, how did you feel? Like, I think this is, we probably the most so far got a feel for the Wraith and their Wraith tech in terms of how organic Mm. the ships are. Did you sort yeah. of pick that up this episode more than you have in the past? Uh, so, yeah, I guess more than I have in the past. I still probably didn't take a great deal of... I don't know, maybe I was just, in a way, like it's such a ridiculous word to use, but maybe I was a bit more overwhelmed at everything because, yeah, you're right, like we did go in there and I guess, again, a bit like Independence Day where that was a very alien-looking and feeling ship. And obviously so much of what we learn about those aliens in that movie is that they are very organic. Obviously they wore like an organic sort of exosuit and all that, but even the way that they controlled their ships was very organic and, you know, they, they whether their mind was hooked up or, or, you know, it was a lot of, to do with touch and, and the way that, I don't know, everything was very, like, it, it seemed very... Um, I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of goo, a lot of moisture and stuff like we go to here, and everything's sort of sticky and just it's dirty looking because oh, it's very primal in a way. It's almost like my bedroom. It's very insectoid in a way that way that they live, and obviously it's called a, a hive. And the way that these guys look and they do hibernate and all that sort of thing. But I, I do like the design. I think for a television budget. Um, the way that they've able to, you know, really detail the sets at the very least, and then even within the um, yeah. the CGI nature and hide of it the all. Set floors with just some um, uh, dry ice. Yeah, yeah up. That's how they can they can hide the concrete set floor. You know? Dry ice, mate, so helpful. It is so helpful for stuff like this. <laughs> I don't care whether you, we're making a short film ourselves on the weekend or you're making a multi million dollar project. It basically has the same effect and the same look. So brilliant, brilliant. I feel like. You know, I, I gave a bit of shit to them before the Janai with their little Amish sort of outfits with the ruffles and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like when we tried, like when the Janai were like, oh, now we mean business, now we're the bad guy, and they put them in like those military uniforms they've got. Yeah. They looked almost as silly. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't look intimidating. <laughs> Come on, guys. Khaki with like red piping or whatever it is. Yeah. Like big lapels. Mm. Who who are you fooling? Like where? What do you? Why? What are you doing? And I got lost too with the way that they used, they talked about themselves in a pre the culling or pre several cullings uh, that um they the, what do they what, I don't, I don't want to you know use a, a word for you but do they call themselves like a federation of or a, or a, a something of planets basically no it's not the federation of planets they'd probably get sued but oh yes they they did say well i mean cole meany can say federation that's fine <laughs> he's allowed um but yeah i think you did say they were like a big confederacy of planets or something maybe that's what it was yeah confederacy of planets and so when i hear that like if it's i guess when i think about it on like an, an earth situation where it is very star trek like when earth it's it's when we're We've got technology that will get us to other planets and and allow us to communicate and build with and develop with and progress with other aliens and set very much in the future and all that sort of thing. Whereas when these guys spoke about it, I kind of forget that for them to communicate and converse and, and build and progress and all that other shit with other planets, 
all they need to do is go through the Stargate. They don't have to have any great technology. Mm. They can just go through the gate. As long as they know how to dial an address, they can go to another planet. So when he says all that stuff, like we used to be this, you know, huge race and we were on several planets, blah, blah, blah. We were, we were, we were so great. We were so big. And, and then the Wraith, the Wraith happened. They culled us down and now we're only on this planet. And we've, we've taken a lot of steps. We've slowly built back our technology to now we're here. And I'm like, you've still got nothing. Like you still don't understand a lot of basic stuff. So if you're further on now than what you were, what were you when you were like exploring your own galaxy? Like, I don't yeah. I, That didn't make sense to me until I remember that, no, they can just travel throughout the galaxy via the Stargate. They don't need to have ships. They don't need to have great communication devices. They don't need to be able to have already understood how an atomic bomb works or something like that. So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I got confused about exactly yeah, te- what they were beforehand and and what you know how that compares to what they are now and I kind of have always sort of subconsciously in my head I think um, associated them with like Jonas's mob the Colonians yeah like that kind of level of technology like yeah that's you know, true nineteen thirties nineteen forties kind of sort of deal yeah but obviously the Jani have had to sort of move all that underground mm. um, and then just live live Amish up top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we found it pretty easy because McKay had his little, um, you know, life science detector that detected some radiation or whatever it was. But I guess it does, in a way, make Taylor look pretty dumb that in all the years that she's been dealing with the Janai, she's never once suspected any of this going on. So, And then and then remember that great thing that Ford did in the episode? Uh, no, no, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, I, I had one moment. Like, I can't even remember the conversation, but I think one of them where... Uh, Shepard, I might have been the first one. Shepard went back to um, to talk to Weir, and whatever he was saying, Weir wasn't agreeing with. And Ford just sort of stu- stood up for him. And again, like that's his superior. Shepard is his superior, and Weir is Shepard's superior within the Atlantis hierarchy. And yet Ford was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I know you don't agree with him, but he's right. And I'm going to prove more to you why he is." And Oh shit! Hang on, no, I'm not allowed to even talk to you in these meetings. I don't know why I'm here. Am I here for moral support? So I kind of like that he stood up and said <laughs> that, but I, I can't remember the comment, so it probably means nothing. And you're right; he probably no. didn't do anything Honestly, of worth in this it, episode. The only things I remember Ford in this episode is drinking when he makes his comment about the coffee at the start, and then when they make him drink moonshine later on. Like that's it. That's that. That was Ford's arc for the episode. The poor bastard. Yeah, I think uh, old Cole Meany. I'm always. I don't know why I remember his name because um, I really yeah, haven't. I'm impressed. I haven't seen him in a lot, but I think the only thing that I do. Oh no, no, sorry. There are two things I remember him from. The main one, absolutely, is Conair, um, and he's. Oh yes, yes, yes. He's like, what is? Is he a part of the FBI or CIA or something? Whoever it is, they've got an agent on board the flight and he basically has to put up with John Cusack shit, Cole Meany's character. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think just got watched that movie when I was like, what, 12 or some shit. And I loved it then. And so it's become a favorite of mine. So I'm like, he will always be that guy to me. I don't care. I think John Cusack will always be that guy as well. Um, but the other thing, mystery Alaska, which is a, a comedy set in a town oh. called mystery in Alaska, where Russell Crowe is, I want to say he's the mayor or the police chief, and he's also the captain of the local hockey team. Um, it, look, it sounds kind of ridiculous. It sounds oh, even crazy. That- is that 
Is that the DVD cover where it's just a bunch of naked guys standing yes. on the ice? Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Away from the camera? Yep. Yeah. I want to say that Alan Tudyk is also in that. We spoke about him earlier, but he's not. He's like, there's another guy that plays his type of role. And Russell Crowe isn't mm. the mayor. I think Cole Meany actually is the mayor of the town. And yeah, Russell Crowe is the police chief or something like that. Slash uh, the uh, the captain of the... It, look, it's a, you know, it's a barrel of last night. It actually is a tight little comedy that's very very funny and i don't say that about a lot of russell crowe movies because he doesn't do comedy but it's a funny movie so if you haven't checked out mystery alaska i think it's from like 2000 or something so it's got some years on it go back and uh, check that out for some more calm oh. meany goodness oh mate if you want to see a calm meany tour de force look no further than miles edward o'brien chief of operations of deep space nine Good. come on I thought so. He was one of the just because Brandon's not here to shut me down. He was one of the little people on Next Generation on the on the Patrick Stewart series. He was like a recurring guest star, you know, for the first couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, and then they gave him his own show. They moved him over to Deep Space Nine, and he became a series regular. Look, and I also just want to point out to um to any to any regular listeners of Get Into Gate. It would be at this juncture that I do play our that's one or that's two sound effect, but in this... Oh, we're up to at least three by now. Oh, it's definitely three. I mean, I think I barreled one or two into, you know, in together. I grouped them. The studio of which I'm currently <laughs> recording this, uh, this episode, I, I can't find... There's no mouse that, that I can control the screen, which has my sound bites on it. So I can't play a that's one and that's two, but you're in... Yep. Goddamn notice, Matthew Gibson. So just watch yourself. <laughs> and also, I don't want to have to do the podcast by myself because that would be yeah, that would be know, awful. It's I... The one bright shining moment I have in all this isolation <laughs> is. I mean, you guys did turn my microphone off a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, I can't do that now. I've been listening to a lot of um, Bill Burr, and for anyone who doesn't know, Bill, obviously Bill Burr, American comedian. Uh, I've really gotten into him in the last six months. Watched all of his specials and listening to his podcast, which he releases twice a week. It's just him in his basement for like an hour, half an hour to an hour, just talking. He doesn't interview anyone. Okay, very, very rarely does he interview someone. Uh, just as rarely his wife will pop down, he'll shove her on and, you know, they'll just talk about shit. But it's just him and whatever he thinks about what's going on. I don't know that there's anything in particular that he sets out to speak uh, on. He just like, oh, what's going on? And, oh, did you see this in the news? And, oh, you know what I've been listening to? And then he'll talk about it, an old baseball game that he's been watching from 19... Currently, the episode I'm listening to this morning, 1952. He's watching like an old World Series baseball game. And he'll sit there and talk about that for 15 minutes. And I'm like, I don't find any of this interesting, but I'm fascinated by the fact that you can do a <laughs> podcast by yourself and somehow it's intriguing. So that will never happen on Get In The Gate, uh, or certainly not by me. So, um, do you know what also will never happen is, you know, if you or I go into a basement for an hour by ourselves, you do not want that recorded, you know? <laughs> What, what we're going to be doing is not to be recorded. So, Look, I'm not even sure you what know. you're talking about, but I dare say that you're right. <laughs> we don't want that recorded. <laughs> I've been listening to the um, the Scrubs podcast that started with a couple of uh, with Zach Braff and Donald Faison who started doing it, and they're just doing it over Zoom. Like Donald Faison's in his walk-in wardrobe, just like lying on the ground doing their podcast. Oh, that's cool. That's really yeah, cool. I'm yeah. What? What? How, so how many are they? It's purely like a a COVID inspired podcast where it's like, what else? What else can we do? Let's do this. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's taken off. Like they were on the View. They were. They've done Australian uh, radio press for it, pumping it up because it's on that iHeart Radio network sort of thing. Mm. 
uh, on their podcast networks. They've done heaps of press for it, and um, yeah, because they they're obviously getting on all the because you know they were two of the you know top five stars in it. Mm. So they're getting all the all the creators of the show on, all the actors on, all that kind of stuff, and you know it's it's almost like a like a bastardized audio commentary because they've done audio commentaries for all the episodes as well back when the DVDs were released. Yeah, and now they'll just sit down for like ninety minutes and uh, talk about a twenty minute episode of television. I mean, let's not um, let's not talk it up too much because here we are doing a rewatch or first watch rewatch podcast of Stargate just with us bunch of idiots. Yet we're talking about how good an actual rewatch podcast is with the actual stars of the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that does sound a little bit more tantalizing to the ear. <laughs> <laughs> we should get Link in and do a, um, a Tomorrow When the War Began rewatch podcast, you know? Look, I, I, I know we're just throwing that out there. That's actually not a bad little idea. That movie recently celebrated its 10th anniversary. So, um, yeah, it's on Netflix they got the, now. Uh, yeah, it is on Netflix in Australia now. And uh, mm. the, the cast actually, re- they got together for their own, you know, COVID, you know, isolation inspired catch up where uh, the entire. Oh, yeah, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, the main uh, eight cast members and the uh, writer director, Stuart Beatty, just all got together on uh, Skype or Zoom or whatever and just um, had a chat and talked about the movie and making it and shit and why we didn't ever see a goddamn sequel and how much we all wish that they would still do that. Um, see, and, and then we can roll straight from that into a tricky business podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's yeah, a slippery... That was like, like 13, 15 episodes or something? Yeah, I was going to say that's a slippery slope. You know, if we're going tricky business, which a bit I was I was thinking of Gigi Edgeley and obviously she's Farscape, but I was thinking of some other connection where I was like, oh, tricky business, soon enough, Maddie will get his Sea Patrol podcast. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what else you can listen to, to be honest. Uh, we are in uh, Get Into uh, Gate right now. The guys over at Get Into Geek, Maddie, wow. Um, they're doing some good stuff. Um, two guys, uh, oh, Maddie, and, Maddie and Mitch, uh, doing attractive some Attractive, too. Just attractive, handsome. Oh, look. Like, I'm not like gay or nothing. If I was going to go that way, I would go that way. Like, Absolutely. You know, that- that's the top of well, my um. My let's be honest, Matty. Of those two guys in that podcast, you've had your hand on one of their penises. That's all I'm saying. Look, I don't, I don't want to talk out of school, but I'm going to say both. That's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, oh, you're taking my joke and making it awkward for the listener. They're like, what's real and what isn't? I don't even know. These guys talk about it so much. Uh, yeah, look, we are over there. Pass on... it out, you know. <laughs> we are over there on uh, Get Into Geek. Uh, we had like a six-month hiatus. When we say hiatus, it's kind of like Maddie and I, had, you know, or Maddie had like gone to the trouble of coming in to record some podcasts with me and then I edited them about 98% and then the final 2%. I just didn't do for six months, and then finally I think you went on Christmas holidays, and then just <sighs> didn't really do. Anything Forgot about afterwards. it. It was like, man, was that last decade? I think that it was. <laughs> um, but we did re-kick things off uh, last, uh, or it would have been last month now, with a uh, a special mandalorian inspired episode actually we were just doing what we're doing now like we're we're doing this over skype and you know you're home recording into a microphone i'm in a studio where we normally do get into gate uh we were just trying to figure out different ways of how to record depending on where we are to to give us the best quality and we recorded the whole thing just because and we ended up just having like a pretty genuine conversation considering our friendship uh, about the Mandalorian and season two and all the casting around it. So if that at all interests you, you know, maybe go over to get into geek, have a listen to that. And also we uh, we're back into our Marvel TV. I know uh, over in America, agents of shield, uh, the final season has just um, 
kicked off or about about a month ago actually i think they're four episodes yeah, deep i think they're four or five episodes yeah deep. australia has just started because in this digital world of 2020 we have to still wait a month before we watch some new content um hello yeah like i always say it i mean we get ellen the day after or the day old yeah. but we've got to wait a month for agents of shield so yeah go over there if you want some marvel stuff we're talking to the, the gifted as well so it's not fresh content you know it's some old stuff but hey we're talking mm. older stuff here and get in the gate we know you don't have a problem with uh with Damn old content skippy. but look we have been away i think we've had like instead of a week we've had like week and a half between our episodes of getting a gate over the last couple of weeks we do apologize about that so it's no one's fault in particular it's just we were trying to get a time where everyone could be together and it couldn't happen and then we kind of just made the decision we'll just wait until next week and then in the end bren couldn't come uh this week and he said don't wait any longer you know you guys just go and do this one by yourself and uh and we'll try again next week for everybody so uh we will again try and get back to being a little bit more consistent you've gotten away with uh no trivia my friend yes thank you um you know which also Mm. works out good because i haven't got my soundbite so i can't play a ding or a bang (laughs) or mainly more buzzes throw it out there but i reckon you know you we you may have to do a makeup and you know next week or two weeks from now do trivia for this episode and then another one jesus christ you know every answer i mean brendan brendan won't write that many that many questions so Oh, It'll either come down to if you know maybe maybe on the old Discord or something like that. Yeah, we might have to sends in some questions. Yeah, That's send him some now. Quizzed. While we're talking about this episode now, and maybe you've just rewatched it, um, jump on a Discord. I know that you guys are you guys are awesome. Actually, everyone who's on the Discord chat, I get notifications all the time of like everyone that's just bringing up new subjects and new people that are getting involved. And since we've asked you guys to come up with new questions for our has uh, been paying attention segment at the end of every episode, <laughs> you guys are getting really involved and sending them in, tweeting them in. So. Um, by all means keep doing that and uh, I mean it saves us the work I'm not pretending like it's all just about getting quality content it's about making us be lazier than we really are Um, (laughs) but uh, jump on board and do that and otherwise if you are new to the show somehow this is your first visit to get into gates uh it is a weird one because it's you only two really people. love the janai well that's yeah he goes oh geez we're cole meanie's number one fan the cole meanie fan club has, uh, <laughs> has tuned in uh yeah uh, subscribe and uh to our podcasting channel on your favorite podcasting outlet uh just search get in a gate a stargate podcast like us on the socials facebook twitter and instagram or uh, drop us a uh, a longer line on get into gate at gmail.com and if you want to see the real underground of this podcast uh, check out our Patreon guys these are getting more and more laboured honestly like <laughs> you know what having to come up with ways to yeah <laughs> well I guess with this one way. this this yeah. is really about you know growing a community so I mean if you want to join the population of our underground which people are and the numbers are the numbers are stacking up I and mean, we've got plenty of room we've got plenty of room but uh, you know we still welcome you all the same who we got, Maddie? Have yeah. we got new people? Have we got new people moving in? Welcome, Sam Howell. Welcome, buddy. Just the Sam Alama Ding Dong. Sam Alama Ding Dong, the Howell stuff. And uh, Marcy W. Oh, big dub. So and if Mitch, if you in post, if you could just pop in that um, that song that Marcy, Marcy, Marcy. If you could just drop that in there for me, okay. that'd be great. Okay, well, can you can you give us his name again? And uh, we'll go for, okay, uh, Marker and take two. Okay, Chris it up. And also welcome to Marcy W. And yes, before you start your emails, I know she's saying Mercy, but in like a Jamaican accent or whatever. It's 
just for the joke, guys. I always take them back. Do they have that in Bad Boys? Is that in the first Bad Boys movie? It reminds me of Bad Boys for some reason. Maybe it's. Oh. Maybe they. I swear they did that very early on in the first Bad Boys. Yeah, because it's. It goes into. I don't want no shy guy. <laughs> I just want the <laughs> Yeah. What a banger, mate. It's not even Throwback Thursday. Good what a banger. Tune. Tune. I tell you what, I was at work yesterday. I mean, we're recording this on a Friday. Work yesterday, Throwback Thursday. I do work in a radio station, so we're playing some old tunes. And what came on? Real McCoy. Is it This Is Your Night? Is that what it's called? The... This is your night. Right, that played, right? It instantly reminds me of Night at the Roxbury, so I can't go wrong there. But that plays, and a person sitting next to me, who was a friend of mine, she, at the very end of the song, she's like, Oh God, I hate this song. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? This is one of the great bangers of 1990s. Like, what are you talking about? In fact, we should we should end this podcast on that song. Yeah. Of course we won't. We'll play some Stargate <laughs> Atlantis music, but oh, maybe we mix things up a little bit, see how it sounds. Be my love, be my Oh, mate, come for the Stargate. Stay for the bangers, mate. Stay for the renditions. Maddie and Mitch on the mics. You can, look, if you want to check us out singing, it's never on there, but, you know, if we want to lie to you and tell you that it is, Mitch underscore Lewis on Instagram and uh, and less so on Twitter would I be singing, but, uh, you know, find me on both, Mitch <laughs> underscore Lewis. Where are you at, Maddie? Uh, at High Pitch Maddie on the things and stuff. Nice. Well, we will be back next week. Back. I don't even know if I said it right the first time, but uh, we go back. We will be back next time, next week, next podcast, talking more SG1. I don't even have the, what the episode's called. I'm not going to pretend unless you do right in front of you and save me. Oh, Mitchell, a classic. Sacrifices. Hmm. Otherwise known as my big fat Jaffa wedding. Oh, you have been talking about this since season eight began. I am looking forward to this. All right. My b- oh, yeah. My big fa- I'm going to start Photoshopping that poster immediately uh we'll catch oh, you mate come on we all know alvin's gonna do it alvin's gonna do it you're so right he's, and he's gonna do it better than you're gonna do it Th- that is that's more right than the first point you made alvin look the, the problem with album not even the problem the best and worst thing about alvin is he's basically done it before i'll even hit upload on this properly somehow <laughs> by the time it goes up publicly alvin's already got yeah. a, like a poster or a video and it's so out of context for our listeners because it's like they don't even know what you're doing, but he works that quick. So, Alvin, yeah. you've got a whole week. My big fat Jafar wedding. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. So, you know, there's that new thing on Instagram at the moment where it's like, what song are you going to sing? Mm. It does the little roulette and then it like superimposes your face on like Justin Bieber during his baby, baby, baby film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I want. I want the my big fat Greek wedding trailer, but I want like Teal'c and Ishtar's faces like superimposed <laughs> on the two main characters and then just play the audio as normal. Yeah. You know, just play the my big fat Greek wedding, and then I want. Uh, that's that's my highest hope. Oh, Master Brotech coming along, just talking about the, like the benefits of using Windex and everything. Um, if if we could, that's it. that would be that would be you magnificent. Know? Or um, that beer commercial. Remember the beer commercial where he was the wizard talking about yeah, Bud yeah, Light yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what we need. Alvin, so, we've got yeah. your week sorted there, buddy. So I don't know what you do for work, but take some time <laughs> off, mate. Unless, of course, you're a graphic designer and then just, I mean, go to work and 
do our mm. stuff first. So, um, you know. Send us a bill. Suit yourself. All right, Matty, we'll catch you back uh, next week for more Get Into Gates. And uh, also, yeah, catch you over on Get Into Geek. Look, I'm just using it as a free plug, guys, okay? No one's here to stop me. <laughs> and while we're pro- plugging our other podcasts, hit up the Gibson Brothers also uh, on our Get Into Gate channels. But it is a Patreon exclusive. So uh, you join mm. patreon.com forward slash get into gate. And that is a. And if you hear one, you will find out why. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you're wondering whether you have already heard one, uh, no, you'll know when you do. So uh, go hear the yeah. Gibson Brothers podcast oh, yeah. exclusively to our uh, Patreon channels, and we'll catch you back next week for more Get Into Gates. Geek.